From the DMZ to the NATO front, this is CRN. Podcast. I am your host, DuJour. Uh, we are in episode 159. We are finishing week 158 of the illegitimate, fraudulently elected Ding Dong and his tyrannical reign. Uh, <sighs> and we have 282 days until the next presidential election. We have so much to cover, it's difficult to keep it. I mean, I I, I risked uh, the video upload with this week's episode of the Kirshner Files because it came in at just under an hour, and that's a pretty big video file for uh, fans to, to, to digest in terms of file size. Um, but I had a number of things that I put up on screen that I wanted people to actually see. So, uh, I'm going to probably have to risk doing the same thing with this week's episode of the lightning round. So, uh, let's get to it. All right. So, <laughs> we've had the Iowa caucus. We've had the New Hampshire primary. And it's abundantly clear that the two front runners are, in fact, going to be Biden, who will likely step down due to health concerns, and Trump. And, uh, you know, there's rumors. There's always rumors. What about Big Mike? What about Nikki Haley switching, switching parties? Who knows what's going to happen on that front? Right now, it's... It's Biden against Trump. And all polling suggests that Trump is going to trounce Biden. And I saw one article that said Trump might actually make history and pull off a victory in all 50 states. That's how bad the human Roomba has been for our country for three years and uh, five days. That's how bad it's gotten under this idiot. But that's <clears throat> that's not it. That's not all. That's not the big picture. And in, in and I feel like a broken record in in referencing back to my my list of uh, fears in order of likelihood or precedence. And number one is still, for me, a financial collapse. It's not helping matters that the World Economic Forum is out there predicting cyber attacks on our grid. That being said, I have an article here that literally breaks down the bulk of what I'm talking about when I say that my, my number one uh, 
issue um, is a financial collapse. And it's an article from uh, TTN, which I think they just reposted it from the Daily Caller. But it's titled, No Major Presidential Candidates Have a Plan to Tackle the Fiscal Train Wreck Coming in 2025. And it starts off pretty innocuously that just, you know, nobody's addressing this. Um, But then it gets down into some details. Uh, Whoever is elected as the next president, uh, likely Trump to be the 47th president and the 45th. um, Is that right, 45? I don't know. I can't keep those numbers straight. It, It basically says... The executive will likely be faced with issues related to expiring tax and debt law, as well as appropriations once they take their once they take the oath and, and become the next president, uh, which one former Trump administration official has dubbed a fiscal train wreck. While each of the candidates has occasionally addressed this, and they're, they're talking specifically about the Republican candidates, um, Nobody has really laid out any specifics as to what they're going to do. Trump has come out and said, hey, we're going to have it fixed within two years, but didn't give any specifics. But the the thing that is making me keep financial collapse at the top of my list is as follows. Several provisions of the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act are set to expire in 2025. The debt ceiling is likely to run out on January 1st, and a federal spending fight could ensue early next year if precedent holds, according to Mike McKenna, former deputy assistant to the president. And then provisions related to the income tax rate, standard deduction, and the child tax credit in the TCJA, which is the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, which was Trump's signature law, uh, will lapse after 2025 without congressional action. The Fiscal Responsibility Act, negotiated upon by Biden and former Republican Speaker McCarthy, was signed into law in early June of 2023 to avoid defaulting on the nation's debt just days later. Here's the thing, though. The legislation allowed the government to accumulate unlimited debt through the beginning of 2025. That's why we're seeing the spending spree. That's why... Uh, who was the Florida congressman uh, who basically had a vote of no confidence and got McCarthy booted from the speaker's chair? So that's part of it, right? So you've got all of this stuff. They, they can accumulate unlimited debt. Additionally, the current Congress has yet to finish the appropriations pro- process for fiscal year 2024, which began four months ago. The House and Senate passed a continuing resolution to temporarily fund the government at current levels through early March, marking the third time this Congress has pushed the appropriations process back. McKenna is quoted as saying, It seems unlikely that this Congress is going to be able to fund the government for 2024 and then immediately pivot and go through the same exercise for 2025 in a timely manner, especially given the fact that Congress typically puts their pencils down early in an election year. The article continues, Moreover, whomever takes office in January 2025 will have the will have to almost immediately face three looming fiscal crises, none of which the candidates have appeared to address or have a plan of attack for. And the article goes further 
and starts laying out how some of them have talked about extending this or making this permanent or whatever. But you have unlimited spending approved by Congress and the former Speaker of the House. Unlimited debt. They can accumulate unlimited debt. How can you look at these things and think that any of this is something that we can continue in perpetuity? How is any of this tenable from a financial standpoint? If we ran our houses like they run our Congress, we would have had declared bankruptcy years ago. It's ridiculous. That's why this article pretty much encompasses all of the things that I've been trying to uh, contextualize uh, and get my head wrapped around when it comes to my number one item, which is a financial collapse. That doesn't cover the stock market. I mean, it, uh, uh, this article doesn't cover the stock market. It doesn't cover the housing market. It doesn't address in high sky-high inflation and interest rates. And it doesn't address, uh, well, what used to be sky-high gas prices, but all of these things have a have a, a cumulative effect. It's it's like starting a, a tiny little snowball on the top of the mountain and just kind of letting it roll down the mountain until finally it turns into something the size of a building that'll kill you and crush the economy. This stuff has to be addressed. These people cannot continue to just write checks because there are still checks in the checkbook. That's not how fiscal responsibility works. And these guys don't have a plan. Biden sure as heck doesn't have a plan. And Trump's like, ah, we'll figure it out. I'm a businessman. I'll have it done in two years. I'm not optimistic. If, if Trump gets in office with all of the baggage he's bringing with him, you know, with all of the cloud screamers and the, the pink hat wearers and the foot stomping, and, and oh my goodness, all of the all of the baggage that came from the from his first term in office is just going to be amped back up in his second term in office and you take all of that noise and then you throw in all of the financial pitfalls that he's going to have to navigate thankfully he doesn't have uh Mike Pence in that building anymore cuz it turns out Mike Pence was the one who was giving reporters all of this information and undermining Trump for four years in the White House. If that's true, it makes sense. It just, ugh, this, the fiscal train wreck. I, I, I think that's almost the perfect word for this, the fiscal train wreck that's coming in, the, in, in 2024, but even in 2025, because all of these things are set to expire we don't, you know, we're spending money we don't have. We're borrowing money and we're using the borrowed money just to pay the interest on the money that we already have debt on. It doesn't make any sense. This is a total house of cards. So if the World Economic Forum cyber attack doesn't take down our grid, we're going to have a financial collapse. It's just a matter of which one's coming first, folks. Ah, the, mm, mm, mm. this is why I have my eight planks to a successful presidential run. We have to get rid of these professional politicians who are enriching themselves and bankrupting the rest of us. I saw an article today that said 
that uh, 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 there was some sort of collaboration between Google, Microsoft, and NVIDIA or something. I can't, I don't know if that's how you pronounce the name. And it just so happens that Nancy Pelosi has stock in all three of those companies. And it just so happens that her financial disclosures of purchasing of NVIDIA came around December 20th. In the time that she bought stock, bought shares in that company, that stock's uh, value and stock price has gone up 20%. You're telling me that they're not corrupt? No. Not when we see stuff like that. Ah, the money. Follow the money. It's always about the money with these people. We need to get professional politicians out of America's lexicon and get these people to get in some term limits. If they can't do it, then we've got to go to a convention of states. we got to do it. The, the Constitution doesn't say we can limit the scope, but it doesn't say we can't. So if they can get the states they need to do the convention of states, they might have to go that route. Ah, nah, follow the money. Follow the money. So before we uh, transition over to another <laughs> fun-filled topic like the U.S. southern border, uh, I was driving around and uh, there was a guest on the uh, Sebastian Gorka show. Uh, his name was Seth Holhouse. And at, on, at 20, in 2020, he, uh, he created a podcast called Man in America. And you may have heard of him. Or you may have seen at least his the video that he put out in 2020, uh, basically the plot to steal America, and this got a this became very viral, became very famous because Trump tweeted it out, he linked to it, it's been shared and pinned and all this stuff, and um, but that's not why I'm telling you that. Uh, go to maninamerica.com and you you can watch this video that he put up. Um, about the stolen election and in 2020. But uh, so that when he was talking to Sebastian Gorka, it got me curious. So I went and found his podcast. And one of the most recent episodes, uh, he's interviewing a guy named Ed Dowd. And Ed Dowd is uh, part of the uh, Bobby Kennedy campaign uh, for president. And the name, the, the episode was titled... Um, Ed Dowd on the coming political, financial, and medical chaos in 2024. Uh, and it's a good listen, and Ed Dowd gives you a lot of the financial background that uh, I can't because I'm not, you know, in that space. He, he's an economist, and he does all this stuff with, with numbers and money and finance. Um, I, maybe he's a finance guy, maybe not an economist, but... Um, the first 15 minutes of that show will open your eyes like you like you wouldn't believe. Um, basically, uh, he he keeps calling it a, a whipsaw type deal because of what the Fed did and what the financiers are doing and what the politicians are doing. Basically, uh, he outlines the entire house of cards and kind of tells you where things are going, but. Uh, in his estimation, come summer, May to August, somewhere in there, there's going to be a big, fat financial chaos, turmoil, uh, downturn, 
And, I mean, we're already, uh, he points to some of the key indicators like mass layoffs, and we're already starting to see some of those mass layoffs. So, uh, if you have the time, uh, I, I highly recommend you go look for this podcast called Man in America and, and give a listen to uh, his, his episode uh, where he interviews Ed Dowd. I mean, it, it'll, it, oh, it'll piss you off something fierce. All right, now let's move on. All right, so as if I wasn't <laughs> already kind of fired up about the fiscal irresponsibility of the yahoos that have been elected to office in D.C., uh, uh, let's talk about the border. Because <laughs> that'll keep me calm. <laughs> so, uh, earlier this week, the Supreme Court released their decision and they have voted five to four to basically side with the human Roomba and his administration with regard to their ability to cut razor wire that the Texas National Guard has put up to stem the flow of illegal immigration near Eagle Pass. Texas has gone so far as to kick Customs and Border Patrol out of that area. They've put up Concertina Wild. I actually found a video. I don't know why my voice just broke, but I found a video. And uh, <laughs> and it shows you how, hey, borders, border walls, I should say, uh, impediments, they actually work. Look at this video. Here we are again. I just wanted to show you all progress of our friends over here in the National Guard. This is that bridge you guys see all over the news. They used to have thousands and thousands of migrants waiting under here to cross the border, right? Well, do you see any migrants now that the Texas National Guard has taken over this situation? Absolutely not is the answer. They are patrolling the hell out of it. We just traveled the entire border in and out. They are no longer coming across this border freely. Well, looky there! I remember that bridge, just like the guy said. This was where everybody was hanging out under the bridge, trying to cross the, the, the border and get into the United States. And now, you can't get into it because of razor wire, because of, and buoys, and things like that. And if things are getting spicy down on the border, uh, I'm, I'm actually curious if... We're not going to have a shot heard around the world type of scenario when the Texas National Guard does not yield to the federal agents from the Customs and Border Patrol and somebody fires a shot because Texas has had it. Supreme Court ruling notwithstanding, they're saying they're going to keep fighting it and they're not going to abide by the Supreme Court's decision. We'll see what happens, but but it's going to be a total mess. It's going to be a total... I want to use a four-letter word. It's going to be a bunch of... Nope, can't say that either. There's a word in there, too. It's, it's a mess. It is an utter mess. And Biden is 100% to blame. He's let in 6 million illegal immigrants since he took office. 6 million! You don't think they're trying to import a new electorate 
because they've alienated the black vote in the United States. Six million illegal immigrants have gotten into the country. It's, it's going to get real interesting on this border if there is any kind of uh, disagreement, any kind of uh, uh, fight between Customs Border Patrol agents, federal agents, and the, uh, the Texas National Guard. It's, ooh, that's a powder keg. But here's something fun. Take a look at this video and pay attention to the person, not in the foreground, but in the background, kind of in the middle. Take a look at that guy and listen to what he's saying. Please, by the way, if you are smart enough, you will know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're gonna know who I am. Very easy. Wow, very easy. <laughs> the, the entitlement, the entitlement. Uh, no, believe me, I'm much better than that. The entitlement, guys. And that guy, the guy in the in the in the background that's doing the talking in the first video, has been identified. He's a convicted terrorist. His name is Mavsum Samadov. He's the chairman of the Azerbaijan Islamic Party, and he was sentenced to 12 years in prison. And the nature of his attacks or his charges are arms trafficking and illicit use of weapons, criminal premeditation, and conspiracy terrorism, treason and sedition, unlawful disobedience. He was convicted on October 7th, 2011 to 12 years in jail. And he was released on January 19th. Three days later, he is on our border and sneaking into our country. This is what the Biden administration has brought to our shores. Way to go, potato! What an... Ugh, this is total crap. And as if... That weren't enough. Well, uh, let me back up. Here's the video giving you his information. If you are smart enough, you will know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. you've seen that as if that weren't enough about the jack hole and the border and his illegal policies and not uh upholding his own oath the mexican soldiers have found factory producing drone bombs grenade launchers and fake military uniforms the jalisco cartel local gangs have been waging turf wars in the mo mahayokan M-I-C-H-A-O-C-A-N. Michoacan State. Here's what this article says. Police and soldiers in Mexico have discovered a small factory used to make drone bombs, grenade launchers, and fake military uniforms in a region where the Jalisco cartel and gangs have been waging turf wars. The facility, found late Wednesday by police and soldiers in the town of La Jucana in the western Michoacan State, had a computer-controlled lathe and milling machine, suggesting the operators had considerable metalworking knowledge, according to the Associated Press. Authorities said the factory produced bombs, usually dropped by drones, as well as under-barrel 40-millimeter grenade launchers designed to attach to assault rifles. The Jalisco cartel and local gangs have been fighting in Michoacan for years. 
The warring gangs frequently used bomb-dropping drones, improvised explosive devices buried in roadways, 50 caliber sniper rifles, homemade armor vehicles, and grenades. They also often established checkpoints on highways and wear fake military uniforms. And, of course, the U.S. State Department has issued a travel advisory to the Mikokan State due to crime and kidnapping. This is the kind of crap they're finding in Mexico. Mexico, I believe, or I should say the cartels, they're providing coyotes to get terrorists into our country. I believe it with all my heart. This is what this illegitimate, fraudulently elected ding-dong has brought to our shores. He's fighting a state, the state of Texas, because they had the temerity to actually try and enforce constitutional law on its border with a foreign country. They're doing the job that the Roomba should be doing but instead of doing that job, they're taking the state of Texas to court and saying, hey, they're not letting us cut the razor wire. They're, they're putting impediments in the water and not letting us get our illegal immigrants into the country. Help us, please. I'm going to hold my breath until you say yes. This is the kind of crap and the childish behavior that the Roomba, the potato, the illegitimate one, is actually doing while he's in office. He's literally waging war against anybody who disagrees with him. He's waging war on over half the country who identifies as Republican, because if you're a Republican, that automatically makes you a MAGA supporter. He's openly called for war against MAGA. It's ridiculous. And I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat things for anybody. Yeah, our biggest principal concern should be a financial collapse. Our second most principal, our second principal concern is maybe the stuff coming out of the World Economic Forum and, and cyber attacks taking down our grid. A close third, or even on par with number two, and it's all going to come down to timing. Which one's going to come first? But to me, the third one is uh, terrorism within our borders due to unchecked immigration policies, or I should say uh, unfulfilled constitutional duties and an avoidance of fulfilling your oath of office. The Texas border is a mess. And if they don't figure out how to do some stuff down there and, and play nice with others, there, it might turn into a shooting match between the Border Patrol and the Texas National Guard. And if that happens, to me, that's the shot heard around the world. That's the start of the Second Civil War. If, if the Texas National Guard opens fire on Department of Homeland Security personnel and the Customs and Border Patrol agents who are trying to take down the razor wire and the buoys and the barriers, all hell's going to break loose. You're going to have patriots in all 50 states flooding into Texas because they are not going to let the, the illegitimate one do what he's doing any longer. They've, they, we have, a, we have a, a, a leader, ironically, somebody who's handicapped in a wheelchair doing more for our country than any one of the politicians in D.C.
That's how I see it. And <laughs> as if it couldn't get any worse down there in Texas, we actually have uh, two congressmen, I think. I think they're both congressmen. Uh, petitioning Biden, the potato, to seize control of the Texas National Guard. Joaquin Castro, Governor Greg Abbott, is using the Texas National Guard to obstruct and create chaos at the border. If Abbott is defying yesterday's, or earlier this week's, Supreme Court ruling, then the POTUS needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard now. And that was followed up by another congressman named Greg Cesar, who said, I agree with Joaquin Castro. If Abbott is defying the Supreme Court ruling, then he needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard. And here's where they're all 100% off base. Texas National Guard is not obstructing or creating the chaos. It's the actual federal government that's dropped the ball. So in response to all of that, Trump wades in and says, uh, oh, well, I should say before I get to that, uh, Biden gave them, gave Texas 24 hours to stand down and start to allow the Border Patrol to remove the barbed wire or face consequences. And then there's a an audio clip, which everybody seems to think was AI generated and false, but basically said that uh, Joe Biden said, I'm not going to have a bunch of Texans stand in the way. Uh, we're going to have to possibly send F-15s down there. But the way that he said it and what he said, uh, people are like, uh, Biden would be tripping over all those words, and those are words that he would not have used. So that's fun. I'm not sure what to make of any of this, but now we've got truckers. Can't be done. So, <laughs> so we got truckers that are headed down there, and uh, the trucker convoy headed to the U.S.-Mexico border, highlighting Biden's lax enforcement. And the article says a trucker convoy is preparing to head to several locations along the U.S.-Mexico border next week to draw t more attention to the human Roomba's lax immigration enforcement policies Republicans have blamed for millions of illegal crossings. I heard today. The number's actually closer to 10 million than it is 6 million. Either way, he's changing the entire electorate for the Democratic Party, and he's importing terrorists. Oh, uh, what's the guy's name? Mavsum Samadov, chairman of the Azerbaijan Islamic Party, who literally spent 12 years in jail for terrorism and weapons trafficking. But hey! We like guys like that. We have been invaded by middle-aged single men from all over the world. And they said, oh, well, we caught 19 uh, this month. And for the for so far, we've, we've caught a total of 50 uh, terrorists. And you're just like, or people that are on the terror watch list. But the truckers uh, are coming to a town near you. And there will be a Take Our Border Back multi-day trucker convoy from January 29th through February 3rd, Representative Keith Self, a Republican from Texas, wrote in his Twitter post, 
Routes will end in Eagle Pass, Texas, Yuma, Arizona, and San Cedro, California. The U.S. convoy will emulate similar protests, protest movements in Canada during the COVID pandemic where truckers gathered around government buildings in Ottawa and border checkpoints to oppose the nation's strict vaccine mandates. Oh, and if we got time, we're going to be talking about Trudeau because his own, his own court system just slapped him around. So expect a ton of lawsuits in Canada, but we'll cover that in a minute. And then here's something fun. I can't get away from this topic. It's crazy town. It's literally taken me three days to record this podcast. You'll notice that in the first couple segments that I recorded, I was wearing a different shirt. Then I'm wearing this shirt. And then now it's getting dark. So I'm on day three of recording this podcast and it's just total crackers. It's bunkers. <sighs> but now I got an article that says, Ex-FBI officials warn Congress of new and imminent border danger. To me, when I hear stuff like that, I just want to go, It's a trap! You're just looking at them and you're like, Are you, how can you be this stupid? That now they're suddenly realizing that it's a problem? What do you think you've been doing there were over 300,000 encounters at the border in December. Uh, just makes me... Uh, it's crazy town, man. Crazy town. That border is chaos. Texas is giving the middle finger to the Supreme Court and to the Roomba's administration, saying we're going to keep on doing what we're doing because you're not doing it. And I saw, an, uh, what was it, an episode? Uh, I wish I could remember her name, but she's an investigative journalist. Um, Carter, something Carter, Sarah Carter. And she was down the border, and she was interviewing the union boss. And he's like, look, we're, we're doing the best we can with what we got. And you know what? The, the, the Customs and Border Patrol agents, the federal agents, have come out and said, kind of off the record, but, you know, whatever, they're not going to get into a gunfight with the Texas National Guard. They will stand down. They will not um, undertake what I believe to be an illegal, an illegal order from this, this, this idiot, this idiot-in-chief, this illegitimate, fraudulently elected ding-dong they're, they're saying that they're not going to uh, go up against the Texas National Guard. They will stand down or they will change sides is basically what they're saying. So it looks like in terms of law enforcement at the, at the border, there's some sanity. But I saw an image today down near Eagle Pass. The Texas National Guard had parked a tank in the middle of the road. And people were like, oh, not going that way. And you see all the cars turning around. They're like, screw that. I don't need Tenement Square on my conscience. They parked a tank a big, fat Abrams in the middle of the road. It is going down in Texas. And if cooler heads don't prevail, this might be the spark that starts it. Just keep an eye on it, folks. All right, we're going to move on, finally. <laughs> As many of my listeners know, I always start the show by telling you what week we are in the 
illegitimate, fraudulent elected ding-dongs tyrannical reign. I just said it in the previous segment as I closed out the uh, the segment on the border. Uh, but this is something fun that uh, a, a video that I found that just... It's when I find stuff like this, I'm like, see, I told you. But who knows, man? Who knows if anything, if this is even true. But this is what I, this is the kind of stuff I find. So watch this. Hey, guys, I have an election update. And you're going to want to share the hell out of this one. You know those Dominion voting systems that had that glitch in Michigan and switched 6,000 Trump votes to Biden? Well, they have completed data analysis on them. And they have found that 2.7 million Trump votes were deleted nationwide. That's 2.7 million Trump votes deleted nationwide. 221,000 Pennsylvania Trump votes were switched to Biden. That's 221,000 Trump votes switched over to Biden. 941,000 Pennsylvania Trump votes were deleted out of the system. And 435,000 votes nationwide were switched from Trump to Biden. So folks, have faith. Just give it some time. We all knew this was going to be a Trump landslide, and it didn't add up. So let's just be patient and see how it goes and share this one. It's being deleted off of Facebook. It's affecting YouTube. So I don't know if any of that's true, but if it is, that's enough votes to flip those states and give Trump a second term in office. I have long held the belief that something was fishy about that in, that entire election cycle because of all the COVID laws, or I should say because all the, all the voting laws that changed because of COVID, you know, that little incident where they shut down the planet to get rid of one guy, well, it's that kind of stuff. And then you put in there uh, electronic voting machines that have Wi-Fi capability and or are placed into a network with a modem that is hackable. That's what happened. That's how you can get votes deleted. That's how you can get votes switching from one candidate to another. I don't know if this is true, and I don't know why this stuff hasn't come to light yet, but I will tell you this, and this is my firm belief, that the reason that we are not seeing and have not seen lawsuits is because the federal judicial system has been weaponized to the point where if they allowed even a single case to come to light, then they would have to go after all of the people that committed treason. And a treason offense and conviction in this country will get you killed. That's a death sentence. So my guess is, take it with a grain of salt, there was some shenanigans with the voting machines. We know that there were some shenanigans with the state laws, because orange man bad. And we know that just about every element and aspect and department within the federal government has been weaponized and politicized. That's why we're not seeing lawsuits. But to this, to I will go to my grave. That man is illegitimate and fraudulently elected. And I hope and pray that by the time I jump off this mortal coil, this stuff will have been resolved and this information will have come to light. And the untold millions, the 70 plus million people that voted for Trump, plus all of the votes that got deleted and or changed over to the potato, 
those people can have some sense of vindication because that man was not elected. That man was installed. The powers that be wanted Trump gone. They're likely taking orders from the World Economic Forum super elites and elites. We talked last week about what these yahoos think of us. They don't think we, they think we have too much freedom in this country. But I bring this up because they're, the January 6th folks are making the news again. And it's not for good things. The House, the well, the illegal House January 6th committee deleted more than 100 encrypted files just days before the GOP took the majority and new members of Congress were sworn in to the House. They deleted their quote-unquote evidence and encrypted files before the GOP took over as the majority. And the article says, the former House Select Committee on January 6th deleted more than 100 encrypted files from its probe just days before Republicans took over the majority in the House of Representatives, the House Administration Committee's Oversight Subcommittee. These people don't, they, oh, we need to have a meeting. We should name a committee. Ugh, your tax dollars at work, folks. The House Administration Committee's Oversight Subcommittee is leading an investigation into January 6, 2021, led by Chairman Barry Loudermilk, a Republican out of Georgia. The panel is investigating the security failures on that day, as well as the actions of the former select committee investigating the Capitol riot. Loudermilk last week told Fox News Digital Investigation has entered a new phase with renewed support from House Speaker Mike Johnson, who has committed additional resources to the panel's investigation. They deleted their evidence because their evidence was hokum, was BS, was crap. It was. It was all crap. And now we're finding out even more information about this magical pipe bomb that was deposited at the DNC headquarters. And this article says, as the probe about the pipe bomb found on January 6, 2021 at DNC committee headquarters to gain traction, Blaze News investigative journalist Steve Baker and others are asking an all-important question. What does the U.S. government have to hide? Well, <laughs> just about everything. They tried to distract us with aliens not a few months ago. Nobody cared. They're trying to distract us with Ukraine. They're trying to distract us with Israel. They're trying to distract us with the southern border. They want you looking anywhere else besides the potato and his son and the treason that they have committed and the fraud that they have committed to enrich that family. They are, I, I, I'd say they're neck and neck with the Clinton crime family in terms of the, the lengths to which they have gone to uh, secure their family's financial well-being for generations. I mean, Diane Feinstein did it before she died with all of her insider trading, so is Nancy Pelosi. So are a lot of other long-term professional politicians. But Baker, who did this investigative report, uh, as part of his ongoing analysis regarding the truth about January 6th last week, broke new ground in the pipe bomb story. He asserted that the individual who found the alleged explosive device at the DNC headquarters wasn't a passerby after all, as had endlessly been parroted. The person with the United States Capitol Police plainclothes officer. Oh, I'm sorry. 
He wasn't a, hap a happenstance. It wasn't a passerby. It was a plainclothes U.S. Capitol Police officer. Baker noted that multiple congressional staffers familiar with the investigation confirmed this with Blaze News in the face of the FBI stonewalling inquiries into the individual's identity. Video posted to the YouTube channel of U.S. Rep. Thomas Massey, a Republican from Kentucky, shows the individual in question dressed in dark clothing and wearing a backpack casually approaching a D.C. Metropolitan Police vehicle parked at the DNC headquarters just after 1 p.m., reportedly to inform law enforcement that he spotted what appeared to be a pipe bomb. And I've seen a picture of this pipe bomb, and I gotta tell you, it, uh, it looks like somebody took one of those old, you know, those little white timers that, that your mom and your grandparents had in the kitchen because the timers on stoves hadn't been invented yet, and they, like, taped it to a piece of galvanized pipe and with threaded ends and, you know, taped some wires. It didn't look like anything. If, if it was a pipe bomb, I don't know, but maybe, maybe not. But the thing about all of this that, that absolutely drives me crazy is uh, stuff where they say that uh, Pelosi tried her best to help get uh, the National Guard. She she begged the National Guard um, to come in on January 6th. And, and this one claims former House Speaker, uh, uh, Communist Pelosi, I, I, Botox Pelosi, I think is a better one, claims she called for more security measures at Capitol Hill on January, 7th, January 6th. However, previous evidence points or proves that's not possible. This week, during an interview with ABC's Sunday Morning Talk Show, Pelosi said that she begged the Biden administration to send the National Guard to the Capitol building as hundreds of thousands of Trump supporters protested the unfair inauguration of President Joe Biden. Here's the thing. Why was she begging the Biden administration when he hadn't even taken the oath of office yet? He was not the president. He had no authority. So her whole argument doesn't hold water. She's lying through her teeth if she was out there begging for more security because she was begging the wrong guy. The guy that she should have been asking for assistance was actually the current president, the sitting president at that time, Donald J. Trump. But she didn't do that. She's quoted as saying, it's very clear what happened that day. And at that same time, from the undisclosed location, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and I we're begging the administration to send the National Guard to send the National Guard. We spoke to the Army, the Secretary, Secretary of the Army. Well, I don't know. It takes time. I have to talk to my boss about it. His boss being the acting Secretary of Defense, who that one thing and another. She's, she, these are her words. I didn't misquote it at all. In December of 2022, I reported that a scathing report revealed Pelosi was directly responsible for failed security measures that day as protesters stormed the Capitol. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene cited documents released by House Republicans that contained emails and text messages exposing that Pelosi decided against additional security of, for that day. Then House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving reportedly coordinated closely with Pelosi and her staff on security plans for January 6th. He argued that Pelosi and House Democrats were compromised by politics and did not adequately prepare for violence at the Capitol. This is what I'm talking about. 
January 6th was a setup. The election was rigged. This whole country is a, a, a shadow of its former self now that the Democrats and some Republicans, I would say going back all the way to January or um, to, to September 12th, when somebody hatched the scheme for Homeland Security and they started washing away and swiping away and denigrating all of our rights. We're now living in a surveillance state, a police state. We've got people that are playing politics with our lives. Pelosi got caught. She's talking out of both sides of her mouth. And if she was begging somebody, she was begging the wrong guy. My guess is she didn't beg anybody and she's a flat out liar. January 6th, while I contend was uh, mostly a peaceful protest, yeah, some windows got broken and one police officer uh, got, uh, I think he had a heart attack, but they say he got murdered. Uh, the only person that was killed that day was was Ashley Babbitt, and she was shot by a, by a cop who was too nervous to be holding a firearm. There was one shot fired that day, and Ashley Babbitt or Bobbitt caught it, and she got killed. But that guy got no punishment whatsoever. The January 6th committee is hiding evidence, destroying evidence. It's like Clinton was running that committee because she is adept at destroying evidence, as proof with as proven by her. Uh, deletion of, what was it, 35,000 emails? Oh, it was about my daughter's wedding and yoga and, you know, liar! They're all lying. We need term limits and we need them now. This is all crap, man. Ah, uh, moving on. Alright, we're going to close out the show with a little bit of fun. Um, I talked about the, uh, the truckers heading down to the southern border. And I said, Trudeau got slapped around in a court of law, uh, and here's all that. Uh, the, the liberal prime minister faces calls to step down, and the socialist NDP that supported the move is now working on damage control. The, the article, article's title is, Court rules Trudeau's use of martial law to crush peaceful trucker protests was unjustified and unlawful. He's in trouble! A Canadian federal court ruled Tuesday that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's use of martial law in 2022 to crush the peaceful trucker protests was not justified. Justice Richard Mosley noted further that the decision to issue the proclamation was unreasonable and led to infringement of charter rights. While a poll indicated last month that a supermajority of Canadians already wanted Trudeau to resign, he now faces additional pressure to step down. However, his deputy, who recently smirked as a reporter was bashed and arrested by police for asking her questions, indicated the liberal regime will continue to defend its actions and appeal the ruling. Meanwhile, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh and his Socialist Party are attempting to retroactively qualify their support for the Emergencies Act invocation, suggesting they had championed it reluctantly. Trudeau is a communist. Trudeau wants to be a dictator. And what do dictators do? They squash everybody's rights in order to stay in power and subvert any negative press 
questions publicity. They want everybody thinking it's all hunky-dory. This is what Trudeau did. The trucker protest, dubbed the Freedom Convoy by organizers, kicked off in early 2022 in response to the Canadian government's draconian COVID-19 vaccine mandates and travel restrictions, which greatly impacted the livelihoods of those whose jobs required them to leave the house. A massive convoy comprising Canadian flag-adorned trucks and other vehicles drove across the country, cheered on by massive crowds at various stops along the way until it ultimately reached Ottawa, the nation's capital. In Ottawa, multitudes of citizens crewed outside the parliament calling on the liberal regime to drop some of its pandemic protocols, which even one of the authors of Canada's, Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms said were unconstitutional. So they knew what they were doing was unconstitutional to begin with. But they didn't care. They said, we know better. We've got science. Never mind the fact that your science was flawed and faulty to begin with. Canada's got problems. They've now proven it in a court of law. Trudeau is being, eh, they're petitioning this idiot, this communist, to, uh, to resign. But when you have the deputy prime minister out there kind of chuckling when a reporter gets uh, face-planted for, for deigning to ask a question, uh, there, there's strange things are afoot in Canada. And it's not much better in Europe because they still have all of the farmer protests going on in Germany. And it's not just Germany. I, I, I keep forgetting about the Netherlands and what they did there. And the Danish folks, they're, they're, they're doing their thing there too. Italy just banned uh, lab-grown meat. We've got a new guy in Argentina. People are sick of these climate Nazis and they want fossil fuels. They, people are not buying these electric cars that they're trying to cram down our throats. And it's all part of this great reset, this new world order, this world economic forum, the Black Rocks and the vanguards and, and we have and, and leaders like Trudeau, who don't care what's in that country's constitution. They are going to trample your rights whether you like it or not. Biden is doing the exact same thing in this country. And if he's not careful, he's going to start a second civil war. <sighs> Trudeau needs to go. I just, oh, I hate that guy with such a fierce passion. And he's not even in my country. He's, oh, all right, well, it took me three days. I finally got through it all. I've got a ton of show notes i got to type up. There's a ton of articles that I went through. It's just, it's, it's going to be a madhouse, so hopefully I get it out <laughs> sometime this weekend. It's supposed to come out on Saturday. It's now uh, 4.30 on Saturday afternoon. I still haven't released it, so yeah! All right, we're going to be back midweek with another episode of The Kirshner Files, and... Uh, we will, we will talk all things preparedness. I'd, I'd like to move off of my list, if I can, um, and, and get into some other topics. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if I can swing it. All right, folks. Uh, so be good, stay safe, keep your head on a swivel. I'm out. Happy Hunger Games. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Mm -hmm.